Well, we're going to move on into a new series this month, and it's a series that we entitled A Heart After God's. A Heart After God's. We're going to be talking about David. We're going to be doing a, a study of David and how when the Bible talks about him being a man after God's own heart, we're going to look at what God meant by that. What was it about David that God would call him a man after his very own heart? We know that David is one of the monumental figures of Bible history. His reign was a high point in God's plan for Israel. And it had a great and lasting significance. We know David was born in Bethlehem as Jesse's youngest son. And as a youth, David was just a simple shepherd tending to his, to his father's sheep. And his life took an unexpected turn when the prophet Samuel came to his father Jesse and appointed David as the next king of Israel. And if you have read this, you know that the prophet Samuel is the same one who, who anointed Saul when he was a young man and said that he was going to be the next the king of Israel. We know that King Saul's downfall was that he lacked confidence not only in himself, but in God. But on the contrary, David demonstrated great faith in God, which helped him in defeating all the giants that he would encounter throughout his life. We know all the, we know, we know all the, the great victories that, that David encountered. We know his failures as well. We're going to look at our series text here out of the book of Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. And in verse 22, the Bible says this. It says, after, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. He says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. The Lord says he will do everything I want him to do. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you have made. Lord, that we would find joy in it, Lord. Not joy in because of circumstances, but joy because of the God that we serve. That it doesn't matter what's taking place in our life. It doesn't matter what we are facing. It doesn't matter what tomorrow brings. Father, we know that you are fighting our battles. 
We know that you are equipping us. We know that you are strengthening us. And we know that you are guiding and protecting us. Lord, so we have nothing to fear. We have no need to worry. Lord, I would pray that you would help our unbelief tonight, Lord. Lord, help our faith to be built tonight through your word. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege and honor. Lord God, that I could even speak your words to encourage. Father, I thank you for the privilege. Lord, bless this evening and help us to apply your word into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and the church says, Amen and Amen. He says, David, a man after my own heart is what I was searching for and what I have found. See, the same words were spoken by the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And this was long before David became king. I'm going to give you a little breakdown here. A little synopsis of very quickly, of David's life. Around 10 years old, the Bible says that David is anointed by Samuel as the future king of Israel. Around 10 to 12 years old is when the prophet Samuel approached David and anointed him to be the next king. Around 15 years old, maybe 15 to 19 years old, David kills the Philistine giant Goliath. 15 to 19 years old. Think about it. When everyone else was running from the giant, this young man came and said, I'll take him out. 25 years old, David successfully leads a thousand men into battle. 30 years old, King Saul and his son Jonathan, who was David's best friend, were killed in battle. David becomes king of Israel. Fifty years old. David commits adultery with Bathsheba and has her husband Uriah killed in battle. He is then confronted by the prophet Nathan and he repents for his actions. The Bible says that at 70 years old, David passes away. Very quickly here of, of the key things that took place in David's life. Because when I read the verse and I, and I think of a man after God's own heart, I think, how can that be? Being taken into consideration what David has done in his life. How could, how could we use that statement toward David? How, could a, how can an adulterer, a murderer... Be a man after God's own heart. And there's many, there's many factors behind this, and I think one of the key things that sticks out to me is that all the heroes of the Bible that God uses, they're a group of flawed people. We have to understand this is that all the, all the stories that you read in the Bible, they're not just stories, but, it's, but it actually took place. But we read it, and we think, wow, that's amazing. I don't know how they did that. And I don't know, 
I, I, don't, I don't even know how that's even possible. There's no way God can use me in that sort of fashion and to that degree. There's no way. How can that ever be repeated? But I look at God's word and I see it was just a bunch of flawed people that God used. It was. It was individuals who were not perfect. It was individuals who made mistakes. Individuals who made bad decisions. Individuals who gave in to the desires of the flesh. But it was individuals that also had great faith in God. And that's why we read in Hebrews 11 of those who had great faith. They weren't perfect, but their faith, their faith stood out amongst the rest. They had an understanding. They had an encounter with God and they trusted in Him. See, even though David sinned and even though he made bad decisions in his life, David loved God. He loved God. The Bible says that David was humble. As a young man, David wasn't out to make a name for himself. But when the time arose, he also wasn't about to allow God's name to be trampled upon and disgraced. David learned to be humble when he needed to be humble, but he also learned God-given strength in those lonely fields. He knew when to take a stand, and he had the courage to do so. David was considered a man to, that after God's own heart. And we know that he had his faults and he had his failures, but his love and his commitment to God carried him through some of the darkest times in his life. When we compare the lives of David and Saul, we can clearly see a difference. See, both men sinned, but it was David's heart that was crushed when Nathan confronted him about his sin. What was his response? The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13. And he says, I have sinned against the Lord. David was heartbroken. David knew the magnitude of what he did. He knew that something of that magnitude should not, be for, should not be forgiven. It should not be something that someone could just move on from because it was so great. But David understood how great God's love is. He understood, he came to know how great God's forgiveness is. Because it doesn't matter what you have done. 
It doesn't matter the sins you have committed. God's love is greater than those sins. How many can say amen? That's why you're here today. Because even though your sins were, were great, God's love is greater. God's forgiveness is greater. You need to thank God for that. You're here because of that. See, his concern was his relationship with God, whereas Saul was more about making excuses for the things that he, that he did for his disobedience. David sinned and admitted it. It grieved him that he had broken his relationship with God and that he would do anything to fix it. Look at what he says in Psalm 51. David writes this. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. He says, Purify me from my sins. He says, Against you and you alone have I sinned. He says, Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. What do you think God does when we ask him for forgiveness? Anyone? What does God do when you ask him for forgiveness? He forgives. What does God do when you ask him to purify you? He purifies. What does God do when you ask him to cleanse your heart? Exactly. You said it. When you ask God to do these things, He is faithful and just to do it. There's no question about it. Let us learn from the life of David that we can be forgiven much. It doesn't mean that we should, be, that we should sin much to experience that forgiveness. No. But, God's, but God says, look, my love is greater. You see, David loved God. I had, an, I had titled this message, A Lover of God. And that's exactly what David was. A lover of God. Despite all the sins he had committed, both in his heart and in his actions, he sought the only one who can truly clean him up. And what's great, what's great about his life is that even though he made many bad choices in his life, he made the one greatest choice to allow God to clean him up. It's the greatest, greatest decision he made to surrender his life to God. See, David had a love for God and his presence. And this is what we need to have. Psalm 31, verse 23. David says, Oh, love the Lord. Love the Lord all you his saints. He says, for the Lord preserves the faithful. How many know he preserves the faithful? Yes, 
He truly does, amen. He preserves us, not just, not just, not just in our, in our uh, uh, appearance. You know, I truly believe that, that the children of God even look younger. You do, because you're not, you're not wearing the worries of the world where you shouldn't be. You're not allowing all those things to, uh, uh, to, to get into your body that, that age you. God, God is purifying you, amen? There's purification that takes place in the life of a child of God. But not only does he preserve, preserve us that way, he preserves us, amen, he, in, in giving us perseverance. He helps us to persevere. We find strength in him. We find courage in him to persevere and to overcome. And those who put their trust in the Lord, those who do not forsake him, even though for a moment he seems to forsake them. And what do I mean by that? Remember when Jesus says, Father, why have you forsaken me? Remember that? That's because, the, that's because our Lord took on the sins of the world, took on all of, all of the sins of the world, and for a moment, for a moment, there was that separation between him and God, between him and his Father, because of the sin that he took on. And it's that moment that we think that God has forsaken us, or, or maybe not that, but abandoned us. But God, didn't ab- God doesn't abandon us. God didn't abandon Jesus. Because to abandon means to give up completely. That's not what God did. You know, I think of, I think of, of you know, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were thrown into the, into the furnace. You realize that they had to actually go into the furnace? Don't you think that could have been a moment where, where they were actually thinking, wow, maybe did God forsake us? Did God forsake us? Why didn't God turn off the furnace and not even have us go in it at, you know, whatsoever? Why are we actually walking into the furnace? Do any of us ever think about that? That they actually had to go in in order to experience God's protection and his power and his faithfulness. They had to actually walk in. Can you imagine looking at it and thinking, oh no, I'm not going in there. That's not what I signed up for. You gotta be kidding me. No, 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 no. This whole following God thing was supposed to be, you know, you know, not easy, but not like that. You're crazy if you're thinking that I'm going in there. But it's in those times when we can think, God, why did you abandon me? Why did you leave me? I had to actually go in. 
I thought that you were going to save me before I even took a step in there. But you let me go in there. Why? We don't realize that God is protecting us throughout. The Bible talks about the paradise that Adam and Eve experienced when they actually walked and and talked with God in the Garden of Eden. When they sinned, God had them leave the garden. Why? Well, what did Adam and Eve do when God called for them after they ate the fruits? What were they doing? They were hiding. They were hiding from God. This is the same God that they were just walking and talking with just before. And then they ate the fruit, and now all of a sudden, they had, they had the, the, the inclination to hide from him. Why? Because sin brings shame, doesn't it? You and I know this. We know this all too well. Sin brings shame. It brings condemnation. And this is what God tries to spare us from. When he, when he tells them, don't eat from that fruit. Everything else you can have except for that. Don't do it. And the enemy lies and says, no, it's fine. Your, your eyes would just be opened. Yes, their eyes were opened to sin. Their eyes were opened to shame. The Bible says their eyes were opened to see that now they were naked. And so they hid. You see, being in a state of sin leads us to hide from God, doesn't it? I can't be used. There's no way. No, not, the, not, not with the life that I'm living right now. Not, not with the things that I did just yesterday. There's no way. I can't be used. I might as well just be, you know, something that, 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 that you know, and you, you think in your head, just worthless. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie straight from the enemy. Don't listen to those lies. The enemy wants you to hide. The enemy wants you to, to, to isolate yourself. But you need, you need some healing, amen? You need some, you need some cleansing. You need some purification. And it's only going to happen through God the Father. That's it. David understood this. You know, and here's what's so awesome about God. You know, we talked about the paradise that Adam and Eve enjoyed with God in the Garden of Eden. We talked about how sin caused them to be removed from the garden. But did God abandon them? Did he give up on them? No, he did not. Instead, he planned a way of redemption. You see, sin was defeated through Christ Jesus. And God created a second paradise. You know what that is? 
That's heaven. God says, I go, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh, man. Where, where, the, where, where nothing rusts, where the moths and the thieves, they, 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 can't, they can't destroy or take away. It's forever and ever. And you're in my presence, just like it was in the beginning with Adam and Eve when they walked with me and they talked with me. That's what heaven is. And God says, don't worry, don't worry. Just because sin messed up the first paradise, God says, I have a plan for a second paradise. He says, it's not over. And God says, this is my love, you have to understand, church. This is how great my love is for you and I. Is that he would actually, he would actually say, you know what, no, no, I'm not, I'm not losing them. I'm going to prepare an opportunity for redemption. In Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses says these words. He says, if you don't personally go with us, talking to the Lord, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. What was Moses saying in this point in time in his life? Well, what Moses was saying was that the desert with God is better than the promised land without God. The desert with God is better than the promised land without him. He says, don't leave. We need your presence, just like tonight. Man, God's presence. When I was, when I was, sitting, when I was standing there worshiping, God just kept telling me, man, in my presence there is fullness of joy. In my presence, there is fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy. And it just kept repeating in my head. And I thought, man, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your presence. Some of you need to be full of joy tonight. See, we need to cultivate our love for God's presence. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. That's awesome. That is awesome. God is looking out. God is looking out on this earth, and he's, and he's looking for people to strengthen. Oh, man. He's looking for individuals that he can actually strengthen. You need, to, you need to put your hands up and say, God, I need some strengthening, Lord. I need it. Come on. You can, you can, you can throw it on me tonight. He says, I'm looking to strengthen those who have fully committed their life to me. That's a promise. That's what that is. If you do this, you get this. That's a promise. 
There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. David, a man after God's own heart. You ever heard someone talk about, you know, maybe like a, you may, maybe a man talks about a youngster, you know, a young boy, and he says, man, that kid, is a, that kid is someone after my own heart. You ever hear someone say that before? What do they mean by that? Well, they usually mean that that kid likes what they like. Maybe it's the same sports team. Maybe it's the, you know, maybe it's the same cars. Maybe they dress the same. Maybe they like, they like the same food. And the person says, man, that's a, that's a guy after my own heart. He's just like me, is what they're saying. And this is what God is saying about David. He's just like me. He's a man after my own heart. The things that I like, he likes. The things that I hate, he hates. And this is exactly what the Bible meant in describing David as such. But not only is it liking the same thing or, or loving the same things and, or hating the same things, but it's acting like that individual as well. He's a man after my own heart. He acts like me. He talks like me. He thinks like me. He forgives like me. He's humble like me. See, you want, do you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart? Then give your heart completely to the Lord. Give it to God. Surrender your life to him. Love what he loves. Hate what he hates. Hurt when he hurts. And rejoice over what he rejoices over. See, when you love God, it flows from your heart. It just, it just comes out of you. The words that you speak, uh, it's evident that you love God. It's evident that the relationship is live and well. Jesus says in Luke 6.45, he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Isn't that true? The words that come out of our mouths, we need to be careful is what's in our hearts. And sometimes, sometimes we may say things and we think, oh, where did that come from? It came from your heart. That's where it came from. So it's a perfect opportunity to do a self-evaluation and find out what else is in there that needs to be removed. What else is in there that needs some cleansing, Amen. Because there's things that, you know, we, we may have listened to throughout the day. There's things that we may have watched that we didn't even realize that was infiltrating our hearts. 
through our eyes and through our ears. God wants to cleanse us tonight. Tonight I want to have the worship team come forward. And if you could turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 139. Psalm, chapter 139. I believe this is a very precise chapter that David wrote in the Bible that describes him very well. It describes his outlook of God and his, his perception of God. And I want you to listen very carefully here as I read this chapter of Psalm chapter 139. David says this. He says, O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to even understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. And David says this, and you got to understand where he's coming from when he says this. He says, oh God, if, you, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me 
and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I think this encompasses David's life very well. The knowledge of God and the love for God that David has is because of these words. Because these words are in David's heart. And as I read that portion talking about hating the things that God hates, well, how do you think David was able to defeat that giant? Why? Because he had to hate the things that God hates. Those things that tried to, that tried to, that tried to, to make fun of God's chosen. That tried to make little of God's power. And he says, no, this is not going to happen. I am not going to allow anyone to desecrate the name of God. But this is who David was. This is who he was. This was his heart speaking out loud to us. You're listening to what was on the inside. You were listening to a man after God's own heart. To say, God, God, I am for you. I'm for you, Lord. Lord, I love the things that you love, but I also hate the things that you hate. Lord, I hate sin. I hate what it does to me. I hate it. I don't like it. I wish that I could never do that again. Lord, give me the strength. Give me the strength, Lord, to run from those things and to run toward you. Lord, help me to talk like you. Lord, help me to think like you. Help me to see like you. Lord, help me to be like you. I know I'm not perfect, Lord. I know I'm not perfect, and there's many things that I have done wrong. But I know that your love is greater. And I love your love, Lord. I love it. I love your presence. I don't ever want to be out of your presence. Help me to always stay under your covering. Because in your presence, there is fullness of joy. There is, there is life everlasting with God the Father. God has prepared a second paradise for you and I. David was a lover of God. God help us. God 
help us to love God as such that we would be have the privilege of being called a man or woman after his very heart as every head is bowed every eye closed